Welcome to Inkwell, a podcast from Houston, Texas, for anyone engaged in the world of reading and writing. Inkwell is brought to you by Tintero Projects, which showcases the work of national and international Latinx and Latin American writers through readings and workshops, and Inprint, a literary arts nonprofit which, since 1983, conducts readings, workshops, and other programs to promote creative writing and reading and supports writers. Inkwell hosts Jasmine and Lupe Mendez, writers, educators, activists, and founders of Tintero Projects, will interview emerging and established writers from across the United States with energy, wit, and fresh perspective on what it means to ink well in this day and age. And we're back. Welcome to another really great episode of Inkwell. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Lupe Mendez. And I'm Jasmine Mendez, his co-host. And we are here in the lovely Imprint House, ready for another interview with uh, a guest. Can you say hello, guest? What's up? You'll learn more about our guest a little later. <laughs> um, so the well, let, I, we always comment on the weather because it's always freaky here. Yeah, earlier this week it was like cold for some reason at the beginning of April, and now it's all and now it's dark and gloomy and hot and and musty and musty and Very musty. which is okay because you know Houston. Uh, welcome to Houston. Yeah. To anybody who's listening who's to the listening. podcast and who's new to Houston and who's new to the city, right? Because <laughs> we always have transfers from everywhere else. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So man, okay. So speaking of things that transition. And do things. Um, I'm finishing up grad school this semester. I was about to say that we're probably going to be talking about things that are transitioning in our lives and like how things are functioning. Right. So yeah, so you're transition. finishing grads out <laughs> of grad school. I literally just submitted my last packet, as we call them, my last group poems of work to my mentor. And uh, who's your mentor this semester? Oliver de la Paz. Yay! <clears throat> great, great Filipino writer. Um, and so. I, I guess I'm transitioning out of. Not having a book published. I'm transitioning out of not being in the limelight to now all of a sudden things are, I'm getting calls for interviews and hey, send us your book so we can review it. And here's this blurb. So it's the the extrovert side of me that doesn't normally get to do stuff because I'm organizing stuff is now. But you're having a hard time with that transition. Not that it's a hard time. It's just interesting because I've never... (laughs) Like nobody's ever been he like, keeps hey, spotlight. challenging me. I'm trying to like promote and do his book launch, and he's like, oh no, no, but let's add like 12 poets before I come on. I'm like, it's not about them; it's about you. you I added so four. Okay. Anyway, we and can talk about that 12. when we interview you about your book because that will be one of our podcasts <laughs> and for that's when this it gets season. Awkward. But anyway, so but yeah, so transitioning, Lots of transitioning, the- and our baby's transitioning from being an infant to a toddler because she wants to walk. She's almost a year old. She's 10 months. That's she not got, almost a year. I'm not going to speed it up. But she'll be a year old in a couple months. And she has two little teeth. Two little teeth. So that lots of transitions. Yeah, lots of transitions. So Do you transition well, Lupe? I guess. I Like, if there's some things that I planned for that I'm like, okay, I'm going to... Now you sound like me. Plan? Oh, Mr. Spontaneity over here suddenly needs a plan for transition. I know I qualified that <laughs> statement when I said some. Oh, okay. But since some people don't listen. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so some things I do plan for, like if I'm transferring or switching from one job to another. Mm-hmm. Which um, might also be happening. More transitions. That part of my life was not supposed to be in the taping, but thanks a lot. Um, I don't think your coworkers listen. <laughs> it's okay. 
<laughs> That's okay. probably true. Nobody in the English department listens to this. So, um, but yeah, like I plan, like if I'm switching jobs and stuff, then like mm-hmm. what what stays and where I'm working at, what do I shut down, what do I take with, what 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 do I piecemeal around. I kind of wait to see like and feel out what that situation looks like. And so mm-hmm. Well, how did you how was your transition out of your MFA? Cuz I mean, I remember it, but like you basically just sat on the couch for 6 months and wouldn't look at it. I didn't at, know. At a pen or paper. I, I was not plan like that <laughs> w- there was no pl- like I was planning everything in the finishing out like even the most nitpicky detail in terms of I could have um defended my thesis anarchonomically, which was just means that they would give me a series of questions that they would ask me in person mm-hmm. and then just I would answer them online and then mm-hmm. return them in and mm-hmm. then wait for the response as to whether or not I pass the, the the defense and then turn all the paperwork in and then I'm done and then I just wait for my diploma and be done. But for all the work, I like mapped out that I was going to defend my thesis in person. So we flew to El Paso. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to defend a thesis in person. They deliberated, asked me questions, and then they gave me the green light. And then that evening, they had this big, huge hooding ceremony, which was mm. awesome. Like, all those smaller details. I couldn't attend graduation the next day because I could only take a day off. And then the next day, I had to go back to work. So um, it was like two days out in El Paso and then back to right, right, right. regular stuff. So the transition after the MFA, that was like a gut feel of what do I do with my writing life after the process? Mm. And I did not have a brain cell to say pick up another project. I know. And I can totally see that because I'm not fully graduated yet, but like I know that everything's basically done and I'm just like, I don't want to, well, at least with that project, with like whatever the project is for the, like your thesis, like I just don't even want to look at it for like six months and I just want to let it sit somewhere and then go write like a really bad play or like (laughs) just just write like children's poems for loose. Once you you actually go through like, depending on how they have your, the, the ending piece of what your presentation or defense or what that looks like. There's a little bit of preparation in there. I didn't want to write anything when I finished. I was very mm-hmm. much like, nope, I'm going to do completely nothing with writing for yeah. at least three, that's four months. That's fair. I think that's fair. Because I just wanted to give myself the, I hadn't done anything else. I'd been mm-hmm. so focused on the work yeah. that I was like, let me just go. I think as I've done so many other gajillion things also in the process, like, you know, had a baby. You act like you didn't plan for that. You act like I that did. was an accident. No, it was not an accident. Definitely not an accident. It was very much in the plans. But, you know, you don't realize how life-changing a baby is until you have one. Because <clears throat> it's not like a puppy. <laughs> so. The fact that you even put those two things together in the I know. same sentence. Well, some people do. It's bizarre. That's They're like, well, who, I, you know, I have a dog. I have a dog. <laughs> it's like, that's not a child. <clears throat> My child is teething. Oh, my dog lost a tooth. That's not the same. <laughs> Anyways, um, but so how, how do you deal with transitions? I think I'm okay. I actually like change. I get really frustrated with things that don't change. Military brat. Yeah, I'm a military brat. So I'm used to like every three years, like up and move, new school, new people, new new house. Yeah. I think my longest job that I ever had, one that I quit last year, uh, lasted five years. That was my longest job ever. Yay. Um, And mainly because it was like work from home and I didn't actually have to answer to anybody. (laughs) And I kind of did what I wanted. Um, So that was nice. But um, but then after a point, I just was just like, uh, it got it got so stagnant, like the work itself got stagnant that I was like, I got to go. Um, so I think, I think I deal with transition fairly well. Um, but for me too, kind of like if it's a planned transition, like if I know 
that things are going to change, if I have a plan for how the transition is going to happen. Then I mean, I'm like good. us moving in December when we should have moved in the summer. I mean, that was my plan. Maybe it didn't fit into your plans. <laughs> Those were that my was a plans. wreck. That was a hot uh, mess. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think there's also, though, it depends. Because like even for me, like starting grad school felt like a little intimidating because I hadn't been in school in like 10 years or so or more like like almost 10 years like it's been like nine years since i had been in school and so i was like oh do i know how to do this school thing do i remember like this is gonna be you know weird and hard but you know i figured it out and it was fine i like change i like transitions like i have zero routines in my life except putting the baby to bed that routine has to stay the same. You, you're <laughs> the most the only routine. You're the most methodical to. person I know. <laughs> With what? With everything. I have to prepare myself. To well, have preparing fun. and planning is different than a routine. Like I don't do the same single thing every single day. I know a situation in which you do the same single thing every time I ask you, mm-hmm. "Honey, what do you want for dinner?" Oh, I don't know. I never know. It's <laughs> <That's, laughs> a, a half hour wait that's to figure just, out. That's just standard male, female, or like partner, you know, one person always asks, the other person never knows. Like, I know what I don't want, but then I don't know what I want. Yeah, Josh. But that's a conversation for another day. If you can put one of those, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> He knows that in One of those in there for this episode. Um, so, yeah. So, okay. Um, we speak on all that because uh, having our conversation uh, today with uh, Noel Quinones, who already said hi earlier, um, we'll be probably talking a little bit more about, like, transitions and shifts. Um, because he just got accepted into an MFA program. And so we're going to talk a little Ooh, bit about that and then all the other uh, doings and happenings in his life and his writing world. Uh, and so we'll be back in a second. And we're back with Noel Quinones. Welcome, welcome. Say hello again. Yo. Thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, for being here with us. We know you came um, to hang out, not just with us, but obviously there's a Latino Art Now conference going on and a couple of uh, other events. And so uh, we're just glad that you were able to take some time and join us on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. So... Um, so a little bit about Noel. Uh, Noel Quinones is a Puerto Rican poet, actor, community organizer, and performance artist, born and raised in the Bronx. As a writer, he's received fellowships from Poets House, the Poetry Foundation, Canto Mundo, Candor Arts, and SAFTA, Sundress Academy for the Arts. His work has been published in, can never say this, Quiley Journal. R- Quayley? Quayley Journal, Rattle, Hot Metal Bridge, and the Latin American Review. As a performer, he's featured at the Lincoln Center, Harvard University, BAM, the 9-11 Memorial and Museum, and the Honolulu Museum of Art, to name a few. His performances have been showcased on Huffington Post, Title Music, Vibe, Latina Magazine, Medium, Remezcla, Univision, and elsewhere. Founder of Project X, a Bronx-based arts organization and co-organizer of Hashtag Poets for Puerto Rico, Quiñones was recently named one of New York State's 40 Under 40 Rising Latino Stars by the Hispanic Coalition and as a 2018 Intercultural Leadership Institute Fellow. Y'all can follow him at www.noelquiñones.com. What? And we'll give y'all that website again at the end. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, nobody says www. No. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what it said. It written down. <laughs> Do people still say? At noelquinones.com. Yay! What's up? 
Yo. And, and he's got great hair. Uh, and he Thank has you. great hair? And <laughs> yes. he has great hair. That's perfect. Uh, okay, so you want to jump in with your questions? No, he has a poem to share. Oh, that's right. Poems. Poems. Skip right over some poems. There's a little bit of a note thing at the top. Do the note. What's the note? It's poetry stuff. Um, so the note is North Korea, December 24th, 1950. The 65th Infantry finished a two-week evacuation of all supplies, ammunition, and equipment in the area through the Hungnam waterfront, playing a central role in protecting the largest beachhead evacuation in U.S. military history. The next day, the soldiers celebrated with a Christmas feast as my great-grandfather, Emiliano Andino Pérez, lay dying of dysentery. De la montaña venimos. Truth be told, war is a spider legs thick as knuckles in the chest. Born at the last feast, memory allows you to taste. De la montaña venimos, the first unfamiliar frost, milagro, we, the Puerto Ricans called it. Ate snowfall until they applauded our lack of complaint. Our skin, invitándote a comer, replaced with rice straw, delicate in its winter burning, Echo of the booby trap trail of fingers, toes, ears, our tongues hung as lechoncito and suvara, the only wet left on the Chinese border, where language marched the fever in and violence was a, knot, was a rope of knotted wrists buried in the stomach, con ron pitojo a bebel. Camp one was a muted palm tree. The baranda strangled itself, and I swore they were coming, a rescue from the east, sung shrill as death comes for speech. Ay, hermano Yayo, ay, compay Nicolás. They promised to bury me on a hill beneath my refusal, the path through barbed wire where I waste nothing but the heat in their names. Hablanme la puerta. I am beyond the wrestle of limbs, and there are devils in the pool I've made of my hunger. I've sunk into believing I am the last ripple. Que los quiero ver. Her name is Virginia Andino. Tell her. Tell her I made it. A promise through the fence. They say we cannot speak. So I whisper, Almame, compay. Mm. Oh. Nice. Snaps for the poet. Yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah. Badass piece. Um. Yeah, the instinct for expression. Was it the writing part or the performance part? Like, which emerged first? Yeah. And when? Yeah. Uh, it was the writing. Um, I, used, I used to think that the, the first moment was because I, I took a, a writing class the summer of ninth grade of high school. Um, and I took the writing class, and they gave me a free notebook, and they're like, hey, you have to write one poem a day. Uh, and I wrote one poem for the, the class. It was, it was two weeks long. And so I had 14 poems and I left and I spent the whole year and I filled the whole notebook. Oh, wow. So initially I was like, oh, it's, uh, it was all teenage angsty, <laughs> yeah. uh, poems. What's that? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. was, um, I was just, one of the panels today was talking about like punk rock and like rebellion of like young Latinos. And I was like, that was my poetry. Um, <laughs> And so for a long time, I thought it was the class that was the impetus, but in reflecting more and writing for so long, I realized the impetus was actually my parents were just really big on reading. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really where it came from because we would, I would like go to Barnes and Noble all the time with my dad and we would oh, just fancy. like sit we just and went to read. Because you know? <laughs> it was free. <laughs> 
We went to Barnes and Noble. That's nice. dope. And then we was always reading books. So that's where it comes from. Where, when did you then hit upon like that performance could be the element that went along with the writing? Yeah. So um, I love telling the story. So that notebook that I had that was full for the whole year or that I filled up that whole year, I hid it under, it was in a bottom drawer under a bunch of clothes. Um, and I came home one day after it was pretty much full and my mom was on my bed reading it. Mm. Uh, and she was like, did you write this? And I was like, absolutely. What are you doing? This is how could you? Um, and I was, I was like, yes. And my mom was like, this is really good. Oh, wow. And I was like, no, it's terrible. Um, teenage, but, right. Teenage angst. Uh, and, and I'll forever, like shout out to my mom for that moment because that that's the only reason I told other people that I mm. that I wrote and so I showed it to one of my friends um and their immediate response was like oh have you seen Def Jam poetry on YouTube and I was mm. like no I don't know what that is mm-hmm. and uh I went on the, I think the school computer um later on and I like saw the first the first person I ever saw was Maida the Valle mm. um and it and I mean that was it I just I you know the 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 usual story of like you had never seen anyone who looked like you writing poetry and my the was the first Puerto Rican I'd ever seen so do, do something that was called a poem and I was like that that is I want that mm. that's dope that's okay. dope at what point um like with your writing because I noticed in in this in the piece that you read you had um sort of that epigraph um at the beginning that note at the beginning related to like the historical aspect of of the piece and sort of where the, I guess, um, like the impetus or the, the inspiration came for that piece. Like at what point did you start doing more of that? Or like has, has research like sort of influenced your work as you've gotten older or looking back into your own family history? Like how do you kind of work up to, I guess the draft of a poem or, or what, what kind of, what other things are in your writing, I guess? Yeah. So I, I wanted to read that poem cause that's the project that I'm working on mm-hmm. right now. Um, and it's uh, about the Boninquineers. They were the first and only all Puerto Rican uh, military battalion of the oh. United States military. And my great grandfather was a part of it. He fought in the um, Korean War. Mm. Um, and he was captured in Korea and never heard from again. Uh, and so wow. the last thing that President Obama did before he left was that he acknowledged the Boninquineers and he like gave them my, my great grandfather got the. Um, Purple Heart and the yeah. Medal of Honor, and he. But the, really, what happened was that he unredacted all the files that were like hidden on mm. all of them, and so my grandmother got this huge stack of wow. um, files. No, that's incredible. Um, and so the project is I'm um, turning that stack into poems. Oh my god, we gotta um, talk. That's amazing. So, yeah. yeah, like docu poetry. We gotta talk. <laughs> we gotta talk. Yes, <laughs> yeah. we so gotta exactly. Talk. That's yeah. What have you learned um, from? I mean, what can you share that like you've learned? From? Yeah, I mean, it's been like shout out also to. Um, SAFTA because they mm. they gave me a residency for that's a week amazing. where I just that's all I did right um and I also I like I love that it also sorry I'm segueing but it also allowed me to interview my grandmother in, mm-hmm. in a way which that's was awesome. in a new way which was really really cool yeah. um and I mean I just I learned a lot about my family and I learned about my grandmother growing up in Puerto Rico um and her parents right and my great-grandfather and also I've been doing a lot of like boring research on yeah. military yeah. history <laughs> happens, uh, which yeah. is not as as fun but i'm yeah. learning a lot about yeah. like all these important events yeah. right and um 
and uh, like skills. Oh, no, I was just gonna say it will influence your, your writing. Like you'll see it cre- creep up later. Like as you right. start working on the stuff. Yeah. 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 And, and like, I was going to say too, like developing new weird skills. Mm. Like I'm mapping out his journey through North Korea. Right. Wow. Which is not, uh, as easy as I thought it would be. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's been like super exciting. It's been super slow, yeah. um, but really, really exciting. And and your your question is making me realize that research has always been a part of mm-hmm. my writing, mm-hmm. um, but only recently has it really been like the, the what's beautiful for, about this project to me is that it's like the marriage of historical research and like familial research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I've always kept those things weird. compartmentalized. Yeah, yeah, compartmentalized in my poems. Um, yeah. Yo, we got so much to talk about when we're not doing the interview. Yeah, I know. It's exciting. Um, I just started. That's why I'm like, I only got a handful of them. Oh, that's done. No, that's good. Yeah, that's you got awesome. time. And no, these kind of projects are slow. Trust us. Some of us are not done. Some of us are not even done. It's going to take a while. Um, process in which the all the other poems that you've written and are writing, how does the process start? Is it, and I always use, Jasmine's formatting and framework and mine as like really cool, completely different ways of doing it. So like Jasmine can envision a poem line by line by line in her head. And then she just barfs it out and then edits as she goes. And it's already a fully functioning thing, but she's, I've brainstormed it in my head for weeks. Pot roasted it in her head for weeks. I like think of the concept and then I think about some of the, at least the opening line and kind of where it's going to go, the shape it might take and know if it's going to be, if it's going to be like, um, I forgot, like tercets or quatrains or if it's going to be a villanelle or if it's going to be, if I'm going to try a different kind of form or if it's going to have rhyme or alliteration. Like I think about all these things before I put any words on the page. Usually, not during National Poetry Month, which it is right now and I'm just like vomiting up terrible poems. But And I'm the opposite. That I throw whatever images I have in my head and then just link all the lines and he one like writes block. a giant block of paragraph, which really then stresses I go me in out. And whittle it down. And then he figures whatever, out the line breaks. Whatever the yeah. structure, what it'll be. And then I I'll can. fool with that structure repeatedly. Like I'll throw it in reverse and break it apart in different ways and all that stuff. Um, how what is that process like? What does that beginning of the process look like? And then what does it look like in the end? Yeah. Like what is that? Does it take a day, two days, a week, a month? I mean, does it vary? Have you noticed a pattern? Yeah, if I, I, I wish I had a pattern. That would, <laughs> that would make life. Like, uh, you know. I mean, I, it, that would make things so much better. But <laughs> I feel like also the fact that I don't have a pattern is a reflection of like my my non poetry life or like my my day to day life mm. is just so chaotic. Yeah. Um, and like just running around New York and is a reflection, I think, of like my process, which is like a, it, it's a mix of those things. So sometimes I'll find a new structure. Like I've been recently really into into contrapuntals mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah. um, pantoums. Yeah. And so I'm like, OK, I know that's the structure I want. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to feed a content into it. Yeah. Um, but then I think actually I, I go toward your structure because of. I just don't have time. So then like sometimes I'm just on the train and I'm like, here's blah, like this whole thing of text and I'll figure out Later what to that, do with yeah. that mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. Um, at some point. But that's cool. Yeah. Um, How does, um, kind of speaking back to what we were talking about a little bit, I guess about, about what you're saying now. Well, I guess, I mean, before I ask that question, 
how do you, or do you, cause I feel like different like performance poets have different answers to this. How do you, or do you differentiate between like poems for the stage versus poems for the page and whatnot? And what do you, I mean, how do you feel about even those, like those phrases and those ideas? You literally just took the question I was going to ask. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, that's awesome though. That's good stuff. <laughs> the, the same rate. There you go. <laughs> In sync. Boom. Yeah. Um, it, so I found that it's helpful. I, I like to like not do the page versus stage yeah, thing yeah. when I'm teaching. Mm. Um, like when I'm talking to students and like kids who are inter- interested in spoken word, I'm just like, no, like we can't create this division and these, mm. um, I think we can't create the division in terms of the the study of it and the canon of it. Or, well, actually, yeah. I don't want to use the word canon, um, but just the <laughs> yeah. collect, like of the, all the parts, yeah. yes, right? right. Yeah. You know? Um, but then the, the wall I come up against is that when I go to the page, I I have a delineate delineation in my mind. Mm. Like I'm like, okay, this is gonna be the content for the spoken word poem, and this is gonna be the mm. content for the page poem. Mm-hmm. And I I can't shake that for for some reason. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I know this thing is just gonna work better mm-hmm. um, as as that kind of as a piece. performance yeah. piece. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel I find like sometimes like you just know when certain poems are quieter and like have a certain like. <clears throat> That's what I feel like when I think of, not that like page poems can't be like, you know, loud and have energy and like, cause you know, like I think of Juan Felipe Herrera and like a lot mm-hmm. of his work is like super fast and long lines and really intense on the page, but then also on the stage. Right. But like, then there's, you also have those other like sort of smaller, quieter, like the way the line breaks are, the way the white spaces are on the page like that you just know, like, oh, this really lives and like breathes well on the page, you know? And like, yeah, you can do that on like in performance as well, but you know, like it's just yeah, different I just, energy. <laughs> I, but I think about, I, I like reflect on the fact that I started, or I started my connection to like a broader co- poetry community through spoken word mm-hmm. and all the ways I've been, I've had to like de-socialize myself mm-hmm. from like the negative tropes that I was taught in spoken word. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like, because I, I, I love that you said the word quiet, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I feel that I was taught for so long that spoken word was the only way that I could express mm-hmm. my poems. Mm-hmm. And I was not allowed allotted a space to be quiet, mm-hmm. um, especially New York, the New York slam <laughs> yeah. scene. Like the New York slam yeah. scene is like, what do you do? What that What is that? Like you, <laughs> you need energy, you need pace, you need rhythm, you need all this like big, right? Perform loud. Um, yeah. And it's only in the past, I would say like, two, three years that I've like been like, I'm going to write quiet poems. And I mm-hmm. think that's why the delineation there is so strong in my head. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like all the content that I've been writing recently, it just, for me, can't, it can't go onto a performance page, just mm-hmm. a performance poem, just cause I've been socialized to, to think do it that in a certain way. Right. To think that it right, can't, yeah. Right. Um, and I'm still just chipping away at that. Like, no, you can't like, there are other ways I'm to read sure. that. Yeah. There are yeah. other, right. Well, it's funny. Think, there's, there's a time around here, um, I hadn't even actually physically seen a slam until well into my later twenties, and then by that point, I was like, "Oh my god, they're amazing! I should just put up my notebook." And but then a few years after that, um, a local poet here in the scene, um, a Bishop, mm-hmm. uh, had seen a, a particular night um, where several of us had read poems just straight from a page like 
printed whatever. And he came up to us, and I've I've seen his work and been a fan of his work for years. And he walked up to us and he was like, "I have never seen anyone read a poem with such like energy. Like I always thought that you anybody who was writing a poem and had it on page, it wasn't worth." Much. Like it wasn't good or wouldn't it be entertaining. Good. And like I literally you was like, yeah, yeah we've gotten that comment a lot. Like, oh, you're the first person I've seen read something and like keep me interested in it. And I'm like, then and you're I'm, listening so to like really of, bad readers. A part, yeah. of, what a part of my brain, a part of my brain was like, oh, like, I wonder where and what you've seen. And mm. so there is, you know, like the, the people that are amazing writers just just don't have a great way of performing their work or whatever the case may be. But I think there's that like. And then the stigma too that's this belief that if you are a spoken word performance poet or slam poet, whichever one of those phrases that you're not you know, that, that, that it has to be memorized for it to be good. Right. Right. And right. like people don't understand, like, no, I can know it really well and like look up from the page and interact with you and still have hand movements, even though I'm like reading the piece. Or the reverse like too, that. like the number of people that say that, oh, you do spoken word and they look at you like and you're cringe, crazy. I and know. Like, no, that's a valid for, like all right. of those things are valid. So yeah. not that we were gonna talk about Sorry, I know you stage, but all that. Yeah. Um <laughs> Part of, like, I think the conversations that we sometimes have uh, when not in interview mode. Um, being another writer who's not in academia, the work that, you're, that you work on, like, the things that you write about, is it anything based on the, the community that you're writing with or the community that you're serving? Um, because individuals that are in, in an academic process, be they in an MFA or working with MFA students or teaching college courses, there's a certain level of, of influence and conversation that exists there, but working in completely different community settings. Um, but there are some who do both. I mean, like Chinging like is an academic, but has a lot of like activism and political like endeavors and community work outside. I'm just, what are you, I'm just saying, what are you looking at me like that for? <laughs> I'm looking at you like that because you gave me one example. I'd have spent no, like 10 a, examples. A I mean, it's a, a sprinkling of them. No, there are a, a lot of writers of color in particular who do community work and who do the academic work. Really? Because well. there's hundreds who don't. Well, I'm and they know, also problematic. I'm not that. <laughs> so my focus was going to be to ask him to okay, not being that's an academic. Fine. At right all. now, I mean, like you say you're not academic because you're not teaching in academia, but you have an MFA. So technically, you're in that world. I'm not because I teach high school. <laughs> anyway, <So>, Noel. <laughs> since you want to argue with me about all this, mind your business, stay in your lane. <laughs> Hold them up. Do y'all hear this patriarchy? Wow. Do y'all hear this misogyny? I'm just what saying. What misogyny? You I'm cut just... off my question. <laughs> you can saying. shut up with all that. That makes no sense. Anyways, how does your work, what stems from the work that, that, that you've done with community and into the writing? Like, how does that, how does that link up? Or does it link up? Or do you separate that as well or, or not? Like, how does that function? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to what Jasmine was saying. Because <laughs> I... Even when you were asking the question, I was like, do I, do I write things based on the, the work I do with Project X and, and like in that way? And, I, and I, I don't. And I've struggled with that because I know so many, especially I think spoken word poets who are very much uh, behind the statement of like, I'm only going to write things that my community can understand and interact with. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand that and believe that. But I've, I've always tried to 
bridge the the learning because I don't know I always come at it from the teacher spe- perspective right it's like there's things to learn from both sides so like if we make a statement like that then that means that we're not learning anything from like academia right, mm-hmm. right. when we know that there's a long history of us having to be there and mm-hmm. fight to be there right mm-hmm. um and so I think what I'm what I try to do is is again like put that balance like I think about especially when I'm trying to figure out the features for the year for Project X, like how is it a balance of like people with MFAs and then also mm. people, people who have published books and then people who are just doing the spoken word circuit, right? Mm. Who are also like acting or, or doing um, mm. different like performative art, right? Um, and and it's, it's a tough, it's a tough kind of thing because there's, we were talking about this like, there's also like this sentimentality from the spoken word community. It's like, I'm not gonna go to a workshop. Mm-hmm. This, this shit is raw. It's, like, it's so I don't raw. edit. I don't edit yes. myself. Yes. Like, I'm about it. And <laughs> like, and like sometimes we get people who come to slam like that in in Project X, and I'm like, yo. Like, absolutely, that's how you're showing up, right? Mm -hmm. But how can we have a conversation Mm -hmm. where it's like, yo, we should, like, create some kind of, or we have spaces for, like, we have professional development workshops, Mm -hmm. right? We have a La Sala series um, where people can come in and workshop stuff, right? And it's it's trying to pull the best of both worlds a little bit. It is the same Um, space. But I... It, it's a constant, it's just that, that juggling act yeah. of like, how do you make it so, can, so that's not inaccessible yeah. either. Can you tell us a little bit about like how Project X came to be for those folks that may not know, we keep talking about it, but so like what was, how did you dream up this organization or this collective and, and kind of where, how did it start and where is it now and where do you see it going? And then also yeah. give us like, how do we connect with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Project, I founded Project X three years ago. Congrats. Um, thanks. Which uh, is, wild um but uh basically i had just graduated from college in philly and i came back uh to new york and i was really excited to be a part of the the slam scene in new york as an adult because i had i had done urban word in the high school Mm -hmm. scene um and so i ended up slamming at pretty much every slam in the city because i was like i want to be a part of it and know what's going on and so i was going to all the the usual spots and i started to notice that i was the only um, Latinx poet at, at most of these. And if it wasn't, it was me and Gabriel Ramirez. Um, which we, when you told us that, I was like, I found that so bizarre. I was like, which, in New York? Because that's a Lupin I felt in the Houston here. scene. Right. But I was here. like, it's Houston. So yeah, we're so, the only Latinos. Like, okay. But that's the exact, but, that's like, the sentiment what? I had. I was like, I'm in New York City. Right. There should be. And the and the, the truth is that there are, there are tons of Latinx spoken word poets, yeah. right? But I had to come to grips with like, why are they not coming to these? The because yeah. I was going to the certified, the PSI uh, certified slams, right? Uh, the ones that could get you on a team, right? And right. those tracks. And so I was starting to question that, and then it kind of came to a tipping point where me and Gabe made it to uh, finals for for the Bowery team, and we were the only. Um, well, no, it was me, him, and Ashley August, mm-hmm. um, but there was there was a, a sentiment in the city that it was like me against Gabe, right? And so, um, or that had been bubbling or I had I had thought that in my sort head. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> and, and so yeah. I, think, had, I think Gabe had just went on stage and he comes down and someone taps me on the shoulder during finals and they're like, hey, good luck. They're only going to choose one of you. And I'm like, what? what, what and he's like, <laughs> you can only have one 
one Latinx stop poet it. Stop it. In, on the team, right? Um, wow. And, and I also want to put in the tidbit, too. I find that statement so interesting, too, reflecting as, like, Ashley is, is Afro-Latina but not perceived in that way. And so mm. she wasn't even a part of the conversation, right? Wow. Um, but this person says this to me, and I'm like... Do you have to say that right Absolutely now? Absolutely not. Like, yeah. what do you, what, well, to be, yeah, that was my actual reaction. My actual reaction was like very emotional and like, what do you mean? I, <laughs> um, I wish my immediate reaction was like, no, what the fuck? That's not who I am. Um, I'm like, I'm going to sob to myself as I go on stage. Um, but over that some, and I ended up making the team and Gabe didn't. And so over that whole summer, that just, that was over my head the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what does this mean for the city that is like, has a huge population of Latinx um, people and artists and spoken word poets. And so I came back from that experience. Um, I gathered up 14, no, 15 other Bronx diaspora latinx um it was everybody it was community organizers artists singers dancers poets um and i like ordered some food from from carida and i was like hey come to my apartment and i was like i have an idea to share with you um and i was like hey i want to create a well it was twofold i was like i want to create a slam in the bronx Um, Because the Bronx has never had a consistent um, slam venue. Uh, And I want to make a space where Latinx people feel um, safe and like their work is understood Mm -hmm. and that they can... the, sorry, the other tipping point was that I, I had slammed at the, at the New Yorican and someone came up to me afterwards and said, oh, I would have scored you higher if uh, you didn't use Spanish or if I understood at what the you were New Yorican. At the New Yorican. At the New Yorican. Oh right? One I of the can't. judges. And so I I'm can't. like, this is insane. Like, well, I don't... For those of you who don't know, New Yorican stands for New York and Puerto Rican. And it's a cafe in New York founded by Puerto Rican poets in New York. Perate, so... I don't understand. So then the... Then the brain hurts now wait (laughs) in new york like it was and so it was all these things compounding right where i was just like okay i want to make this space but then i was also hearing from the latinx spoken word artists i was like hey why don't you go to the new york or the bowery or all these uh the other slams right Mm -hmm. um at that time they also had um oh my god union square slam Mm -hmm. and they were like oh it's too far away Right. And it's like it's a deep trek to go to like lower Manhattan from the Bronx or even uptown. Right. And so that was my other impetus. I was just like, we should have a place where you could go take a 15, 20 minute trip and get to the thing that you want to go to. Yo, poetry desert. Like Um, that's a thing. Right. Yeah. And so and so I put the the ask out or I asked those 15 people because I was like, I don't want to make something that already exists or Mm -hmm. like is not going to help anybody. And everybody was like, yo, we should really do this. And so. Um, we did it. We had our launch um, at Hostos Community College, um, and we ever since we've had a show every single month, it's one amazing. show every, every month. Um, and it's and it's I love that it's evolved every year, right? Because yeah. that first year, we were just I mean, <laughs> just figuring it out. Yeah. Because um, right. in true my spontaneous like not planning self, um, I like jumped in without a anything no funds no nothing i was just like let's just do it y'all grassroots um and so it was super hard that first year and then and we but we made a team and they went to the regionals um to the northeast regional um vox pop uh 
And then the next year we sent a team to the nationals and it was the first time the Bronx ever had a, a spoken word team go to nationals. But putting that aside, really what was beautiful about the second year was that we did a ton of community partnerships. Mm -hmm. So we did um, a partnership to, um, it was an, an immigrant open mic to talk about DACA. We did a diaspora fashion show where we featured Bronx nice. and Uptown based That's designers. Beautiful. We did um, a DJ battle party. Um, we did a healthy eating workshop because we were like, it got to a point where we were like, okay, poetry is not going to be enough. And we were really focusing on like, if we're going to be a Bronx organization, how can what we actually, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, and how yeah. can we yeah. do that? How can we provide? Um, and now, and that burned us out, to be completely <laughs> yeah, honest. And yeah. then this year, we've really doubled down on how can we support uh, poets' careers, right? And so that's why we have the professional development series. Um, and we've been trying to just offer opportunities to be like, hey, you can, if you want to do this and get paid for it, you can do that. Mm -hmm. um, and we just never wanted a slam that was like the competitive, you leave and we don't talk to you again. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And we've really just been pushing that the possibility or i guess with maybe the certainty that you're leaving at least for a little while uh to go pursue your mfa at where can you share yep the university of mississippi mm -hmm. oh so you just found out like, recently <sighs> yeah. yeah so uh do what do you foresee with the the future of project x and then with yourself too with your writing as you're going forward yeah so um i'm so happy that i or my team and me were able to, to find a new creative director, um, mm -hmm. Michelle Soto, uh, who she's been organizing with us for the past year. And then, um, I mean, we all sat down, or at least the three, so from those initial 15 people, only three made it to the mm -hmm. end. Um, which is people have lives and yeah. community organizing yeah. and yeah, 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 yeah. you don't get paid. Um, so <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we sat down and we were like, who do we think could, could take this role? Cause I knew I was going, um, and I needed to go, yeah. uh, which I can talk about. Um, also, but, um, I'm one, something that was brought up was like, Oh, well, if we have a new person, project X is going to lose like, I don't know, my, like my energy and like mm -hmm. the passion and the, that. And I was like, if, if I, if Project X is going to continue to do the work, it has to change and it has yeah. to evolve. And I'm really excited by having someone new because they have new ideas. Like Michelle is going to have new ideas and already, already has new ideas and things that mm -hmm. they want to implement. And that's super exciting. And like I said, every single year we've changed, right? Um, at least in terms of what we want to do throughout the year and our culmination and what's super dope about this year is that after the nationals blew up, um, that <laughs> no one's going to the national poetry slam anymore. It um, blew up in a bad way. We don't mean in a good way. We oh just, yeah, blew up terribly. It imploded, it imploded, imploded on itself. It trash. Uh -huh. <laughs> that, and they screwed everyone over. Yeah. Um, and it was stupid to begin with. Like, God, you raised $5,000 to send six people to this thing for a plastic trophy. Yeah. And to meet people, like, only costs one hundred twenty-five dollars. Bruh, like I mean, <laughs> I, it was I, so, dumb from the so, beginning. Like, so I, those of you that are listening to this, like, the there's been oh, conversations yeah, in the in the slam community, and I think I remember uh, Rudy Francisco made a statement in terms yeah. of like he's like only in slam, like mm -hmm. only in performance, can you raise this heavy amount of money 
to go then compete to only get back like three percent of what you just mm-hmm. sweated your well, ass off for the whole but year. But I think too the thing, and I mean, I haven't known a lot about the slam community for many, many years. But I, I think what changed was the fact that it used to be that like going to these like national, like to Albuquerque to the national slam team competition where where it was for a long time, is that like at the end, like if you did win, like many of those poets went on to get agents and to do national tours and to actually have these like extended careers. But now I feel like it's gotten so big and it's gotten so saturated that like now that doesn't really happen. Like if you win, you're like, oh, you can pat yourself on your back and be like, I'm a national time champion. And then like, what does that really mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. there, are, there are a few people that do go on and they're able to then like do the college circuit or to get like, you know, booked or they become, you know, like, um, este muchacho, uh, 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 what's his name? Insert boy. Oh, Dines Smith. Smith, right? But like, there's not, there's only like one Dines Smith for every like yeah. 300 poets that are well, out and there. I think, I think and too, it was, it know. was also that like, it was ego. Like yeah. as NPS kept progressing, less and less people were doing that promotional, like, mm-hmm. yo, these people won and they like are really dope and they should be getting these shows. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's like the oversaturation happened at the same time that people were like, oh yeah, you'll push my brand. Like this is like, mm-hmm. here's my mixtape. Like, <laughs> and it was yeah, <laughs> like unfettered. Well, because too, I think, I think YouTube and social media blew yeah. up too, right? Like it really came big. Whereas before it used, used to be like, okay, if you won slam team, like national NPS, then maybe you got on Def Jam which was HBO mm-hmm. and then from HBO then maybe you got like an agent or but you were I, I think so, too, but then like now everyone's got a video on YouTube but I, I think <laughs> so that also like, I, I think that's I also a, the, the commentary should be also like I guess fair warning to other spaces that are hosting slams what the, the question can be what is being provided for the people that are producing and writing and creating these works in these community spaces like the, the fact that you're putting together professional development to help people, mm-hmm. like you, you said it yourself, like we want to make sure that we see you again like after this. A career as a poet. A, a one, and like one stop thing nurturing? and then you're gone, right? Yeah. Like how are you nurturing that work? Yeah, you're yeah. right. The, the language is right there. What are you doing to help sustain that Your writing life. And your so that writing. those writers are progressing and doing and moving forward in their own writing. Right. And, and that's the beautiful thing about the vacuum of NPS like disintegrating is that you finally have or you have much more slam masters who are sitting down asking themselves that those that question. They're right. like, okay, if we're not gonna, if our culmination is not gonna be sending five people to nationals, like a lot of slam masters have to sit back and be like, what are we? What like, we who doing? am I? Like, <laughs> what is my purpose? Like, yeah. what are we doing? Right. right? And and you've seen so many. Uh, not not enough, actually. I take that back. I know key people like other slam masters who are really like, I mean, the Philly Pigeon, um, Jersey City Slam, who are like, oh, we're going to reinvest in our community, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. Project X has followed that lead. And so our culmination is now we're doing a um, Bronx Poetry and Arts Festival. Nice. So oh, yeah, I, I remember you posted about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, if we could raise $5,000 for six people, why can we not use the $5,000 mm-hmm. to do something, to do something in the Bronx? Raise more, raise more. There there 10, to do like, right. something yeah, right. for the people right there. That's awesome. That's um, That's so poem? shifting, no? oh, I was going to do one last question. Oh, okay, go for it. Um, so shifting gears, um, You've gotten word that your your acceptance into Ole Miss. Um, what are you eager to do in the work with the MFA? And then what's like got you scared shitless? If that's if I'm able to maybe he's just excited. Ask. Maybe he's not scared. 
Oh, I'm terrified. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> right, why right. you gotta? Just, just saying, you don't why you know. gotta? Why you gotta? Why you gotta project your feelings onto Noel? That's not like. projecting any feelings. Those are legit questions. Because right, right. you Go, even said answer, yourself answer. that you were like, "Oh, I was d- doubtful about." Because I didn't know if I could be a good student. Again, right. So maybe that's a good question to ask for someone <laughs> okay. who's about to start again. That's. But not. he like just finished school like you know a year ago. He's and like, you're being ageist. <laughs> so why don't you calm down? So it's four years ago. Four years ago. <laughs> He's like a little brother. <laughs> Be quiet. No when the question. I feel the misogyny, y'all, on this episode. I feel you oh my God. <laughs> being a pain in the ass. Let us been answer the question. Well, stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Connected to the I graduated four years ago. <laughs> um the same thing that has me excited is this is what has me terrified. Um, it's the time. Um, I was very blessed that uh, Mississippi gave me the John Grisham Fellowship, and so oh, the yes. the fellowship means that I, I don't have to teach, mm. and so it's literally just three years of classes and writing. Um, and I'm super like I can't. Um, the whole reason I applied to the MFA was because I spent the past four years doing like everything but really writing mm-hmm. as much as I wanted to mm-hmm. um between my full-time job as a teacher um or high school administrator and then from like touring and doing spoken word and then also running project x and then also like just helping out in different things mm-hmm. um I haven't been able to to dedicate the time um to my writing and so I'm so excited to have these three years but I'm terrified of am I going to do what I need to do? I'm like, am I going to get to Mississippi and just like, I don't know. I don't even know. Like I have no actual, (laughs) what the things are that I'm going to be procrastinating with, Mm -hmm. but I know they're there, which is the reason why I'm running to, from New York city to To Mississippi Mississippi. where you're hoping there's nothing (laughs) to do. And I mean, I went to visit and they were like, yo, no, there's nothing like this, this place is very isolating. Mm. Therefore, you I write. get all my work done. <laughs> and I'm like, boom, that's what I want. But also, oh my, oh my God. God. <laughs> There's nothing. There will not, be a transition period. Right? <laughs> I'm going to just. You get boba tea with Josh. Just go get boba tea with Josh. I know. I'm so happy, Josh. <laughs> I mixed that. Like, having, like, yeah. the minute I found out, I was like, Josh is going to have somebody. Julian's leaving. Yeah. Well, it's like a nice Yay. little. That's yeah. a good transition. Oh, yeah. I told you, I'm coming here. Like, he drives here. I'm like, yeah, totally. bring me. Oh, you're so coming. Come to Houston. Like, my heart is full. I know. We're like. Well, I mean, I think it's good that you have this other project, like the the piece that you read from at the beginning, that could at least be like a starting point to like getting some stuff done. Yeah, that's the beautiful. So that's the cool thing, too. And. I've, I've like talked to, to Julian about mm-hmm. this cause he's graduating and I'm coming in and, uh, I'm like, yo, I have six books like here, just yeah. like sitting in my head yeah. and I'm like, it's over. Like yeah, yeah. you're giving, like, that's the excited part of me. Right, it's right. just like, you're giving me three years, bet it's done. Mm-hmm. I'm here. Like I, <laughs> I was definitely flexing too much. Um, but <laughs> when I was on the phone with the director of the program, Derek, I was like, Yo, man, also, he, it was my birthday when he called me to be like, yo, like when I, I accepted the day before my birthday. Mm-hmm. And so he called me on my birthday to be like, yo, we're so excited. And I think I was really feeling myself. And so I was on the phone and I was just like, yo, I'm not coming to play games. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and I, I, I really, that was the first thing. And 
Julian had told like Julian's really tight with Derek, Derek, so he like told me what it was, and I was just like, nah, I like what Julian did because Julian's a machine. I mean, that motherfucker yes. is right, killing right, it, right? right? Um, I was like that, like. <laughs> I'm not coming to find my voice. I'm not coming to freaking like just kick it. Dilly dally, I'm like, yeah. This these Things. the work is here because <laughs> this is all I need. Like I just ugh, New York, did man. he respond? He was like, mm-hmm. yeah. He was just like, yo, absolutely. Like that's what we that's what that's, that's what we want. That's, that's what it's awesome. about, right? That's um, dope. Congrats. Well, if you need to step away, you need a big city life for a few minutes. We we're here. Or if you want Yucatats. <laughs> Those so yeah, just come on through. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, yes. <laughs> I, escape from the escapism. I need to. <laughs> and come experience uh, for a God. little bit. Because, yeah, Mississippi is no joke. I love but. the first thing. Every, every time I say Mississippi, like the, the best comment and the most consistent comment I've got is people look at me and they're like, but do you know what happens in Mississippi? <laughs> <laughs> do you know like, you're just a few shades too dark for yes. Mississippi? <laughs> like, I know. Oh, just hang out with Josh. Like. Just, him yeah. living here in Houston, yeah. he, he's he acclimated to me. So yeah. Um, so do you I have guess, one more poem yeah, for us to close poem? out, and then we'll do our lightning round questions? Yes. Yeah. Thank you for all this lovely conversation. This is a contrapuntal um, from what I've been working on. This is the other another project um, about my parents and and divorce. So yeah, contrapuntal. There's a salsa for every blessing I have yet to call wound. Oh yes, my father tends the eight count as a man released into the flare of night. He was afraid to compromise, but when I spin, it is a miracle. Lineage is not. Disappear. Even my father sings in the dark, hidden in the passing of women. I am the child spinning to forget, watching mommy as she unspools, ask her, when did you know he was becoming your first unforgettable? The altar, its prayer dictating how to unsettle the flesh of her. I inherit this indelicate power, only a gallery of mirrors facing outward. Accusations spill from me toward the gumpel of my own desires. But what do I know of escaping the feral kiss of loving your own anatomy? Boppy, forgive your son. If I misspoke when you kissed him, I was my mother's bridge already. Divorce, I took the curse of many faces, blurred in the distance I couldn't bear. I am surprised I return at all to this house of humming stubborn, this myth of one father where I dance to pretend every path toward the same door isn't a different namelessness. How strange I am to my father's trauma as we pass through each other. There's a salsa, even my father sings in the dark, hidden in the passing of women for every blessing. I am the child spinning to forget, watching mommy as she unspools. I have yet to call, ask her, when did you know he was becoming your first wound? Oh yes, unforgettable, the altar, its prayer dictating how my father tends to unsettle the flesh of her. I inherit this indelicate power, the eight count, only a gallery of mirrors facing outward. Accusations spill from me as a man released toward the, t toward the gumpel of my own desires. But what do I know of escaping into the flare of night, the feral kiss of loving your own anatomy? Boppy, forgive your son. 
He was afraid if I misspoke when you kissed him, I was my mother's bridge already to compromise, divorce. I took the curse of many faces, blurred in the distance I couldn't bear, but when I spin, I am surprised I return at all to this house of humming stubborn. It is a miracle, this myth of one father, where I dance to pretend lineage is not. Every path toward the same door isn't a different namelessness. How strange I am, just a witness to my father's trauma. We pass through each other as I disappear. Thank You've you. been listening to Noel Quinones, and we'll be right back with our lightning round. And we're back for the most exciting part of our show. Pew, pew, pew. It's our lightning round questions. And Lupe, can you describe what our lightning round questions are? Our lightning round questions, everybody skips over all the other parts of the interview just to get to this <laughs> last section of the most the exciting podcast. part. This is make or breaking careers. This is like 2020 questions. This will potentially get you a date or not. Wow. You know? Since Oof. he has a girlfriend. Yeah, I'm not going to let him Oh, know I don't that. know. Oh, Oof. my bad. So I, don't You're great, know, babe. I don't know hey, his Tammy. relationship status. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. I'm just saying. I just assume everybody's single unless they told me they got married. Look, I, I, just, I don't know anymore. And I don't even say gender. I'm just like, you got somebody. Somebody. I don't know. Or you don't got somebody. I don't know. That's true. Anymore. I don't make I any got, I got a anymore. Dominican home, so I am <laughs> not you? single. Because uh, <laughs> she's... I know. Backtrack, yeah. backtrack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk. We, we will get mad. We need to right. talk. I got you. I got you. I don't know. Yeah. I got We're you. different though. Dominicans from Texas versus Dominicans from New York. She, my people. There's no, there's no, there's no difference. <laughs> All right. Lightning round. You. You. <laughs> lightning round question number one. You want to go with your five? You start. Go. go. Favorite superhero movie? Oof. Iron Man. Go. Favorite comic book house? DC oh, or Marvel? Marvel. Ladies and gentlemen, the interview is over. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm so kidding. Let's have a whole nother episode. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we, you just drew the line. I just pack your bags and All right, I'm so you disappointed. Can discuss it at home later. <laughs> Whatever. If you could have two superpowers, what would they be? Two superpowers. Two. Just two. Um, I've thought very long and hard about this. Um, teleportation. Okay. Mm-hmm. For sure. No question. Um, and then this this is just like for funsies. Um, I want to control ice, like Iceman. Oh, that's dope. Which is, it, I don't it, like. What is it? It doesn't. Do? Make, it doesn't. <laughs> like, there's no reason. Del- make teleportation. I, ha- I could write yeah. an essay like, about why. Yeah, right? no, I feel but you on that. I just. I would be invisible. I could just like creep on. You're people. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> See. I always, that or, concerns me. I mean, me. kind of like teleportation, where like where you could become fluid and just like go under doors and like go through. Oh, like you become like gooey and gooey and like yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, all right, your question. Uh, in order to memorize a poem, <laughs> is it repetition or do you act it out? Are those are those different? Yeah. What do you mean? Like re- repeating lines. Like, do you repeat certain lines like, to get it down, or do you connect it to like movement. some movement? Oh, okay. Um, no, it's the movement for sure. Yeah. This is gonna be in a hard front of the mirror. Oh. In front of a mirror, absolutely. Yeah, I, I do. I do mirrors yeah. too. Um, you're not gonna like this question. New York or PR? Oh, New York. You gonna forsake the motherland? I uh, look. <laughs> <laughs> That's complicated. That's I know it is it's complicated. <laughs> it's gotta be, I've actually been thinking about this. Uh, 
I'm trying to figure out what my first tattoo is going to be. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, some Puerto Rican th- thing. Da, 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 da. And I was just like, I'm Puerto Rican, but but I'm, ne- I'm New Rican. Yeah. There's got to be some Bronx shit. True. That's true. That's, yeah. All right. Um, worst show you've ever been in? Worst show I've like, ever been like in? Like you've, you've gone to go perform out of town Can you somewhere. Say that out loud? Maybe they don't know. Oh. Jonathan oh said it. Okay. Oh, no. I read. Look. <laughs> Me and Julian did it. We were both studying abroad in London at the same time. London spoken word is completely different yeah, than is. here. Yes, it is. Uh, I don't want to say this because they're nice people. It's horrible. <laughs> like, I just, I could. So me and Julian have a show. Like, we get our first show ever as a team. And we, we perform together. And it's terrible. Like, crickets. Like, silent. Because the way that you do spoken word here is not not the way the they do it it's, not, it's very comedic too- over there oh. and we're like depressed and trauma and so it because they're very like satirical terrible. probably right? yeah yes. like highbrows right or, like, and it, but it was but they're even polite it? like they don't boo judges but it was just silence <gasps> and it was in this grungy like nasty bar mm-hmm. a bunch of white people <laughs> like no Brits, one and yeah. we got paid like in the change that they they had from the end of the show and oh, we like split our coins up and it was just it was very it was depressing that sucks as you were in uh, london you would want it to be like a good experience right. I was like, yeah. yo broad no not at all <laughs> best show best show best show what was the best the best show i ever performed in oh 20 it's seconds gotta, it's gotta be um the hashtag poets for Puerto Rico, the Bronx mm. cool. event. I mean, it was me and Willie and Denise mm, yeah, yeah. like organized nice. it, and then it it just had all my friends. That's like right. it yeah. was just every, and it was for a great call. It was in the Bronx Museum. It was just mad, like actually. Yeah, I saw like, pictures that looked amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. We're trying to put one together. Uh, We're trying. Let us know. I know We're, it's been months. Yeah. We've it's been months. Anyway. We certainly trying. Still, we, yeah. still need still it. They still need it. Still need money. I know. Favorite place to write. Favorite place to write. I think by circumstance, the train. Mm. Yeah. The train. That's where I have time. Uh, Hot tea or bubble tea? Ooh, hot tea. Which kind? Ginger. Mm, I drink a ton. I drink like ginger tea once a day. I try to. Oh, we have ginger tea at the house. No, we don't. I drink it all. (laughs) What? (laughs) Because it's, it's great. Good, it's good for inflammation. It's very good you. For didn't you. drink all of it. There was like Essential. three boxes. You know but also, know. shout out to Bubble Tea. Yes, fantastic. Well, we have great. tons of that here, too. Yeah, uh, favorite vegan recipe? Ooh. This this isn't that I, that I cook? Anything. Any, anything okay, so yeah. my, my girlfriend makes this crazy vegan mac and cheese. Mm. And like, it's just, it's my favorite it's delicious. And I've never I've never been able to eat mac and cheese my whole life mm-hmm. until she made it and it was Aww. fantastic. That's and she was sweet. like, I'm going to make this shit for you. And it was it's great. I ask it for it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. Um well, you might have already answered this, but farthest traveled for a show. I guess since it wasn't Let's see, for a show. Was it for, I mean, it was for a fellowship, but whatever. I'm going to say Hawaii. Mm. But it was for the fellowship. But and we also got to perform yeah. there. Yeah. Which was like really. You travel for a show. That's it. awesome. That's yeah. go to Hawaii. That's Why really did you ever take me to Hawaii? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, what are you most looking forward to at OLLU? <laughs> um, no, that's not the school. 
Huh? Oh, miss oh, you. Just oh, miss. Our Lady of the Lake University <laughs> is what you just did. Oh, miss. Oh, miss. Oh, miss. Oh, miss. Sorry, oh, miss. that place. Yeah, that yeah. place. Josh, don't you dare. Don't you dare edit that part. <laughs> I messed it up. At Ole Miss, what do you think I was looking forward to? Yeah, um, on the, the faculty. Like, I'm so Amy Nezakamato, mm. Derek Carroll, yeah. KSA Layman. I'm like, yo, teach me all the things, y'all. And I have <laughs> time to, things. like, r- listen and read what you tell me to read. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's no time. Also time. Also Josh. <laughs> 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 that's great. <laughs> that's going to be awesome. I think that's a full-time question. That's a full-time yeah. question. Sweet. Yeah. So um, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for being here. Where can on. folks oh. find a little bit more about you again? Yeah, you can uh, www. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Noel P. Quinones.com because they took Noel Quinones, so I put the P in the middle. Nice. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah. Oh, okay. Noel Quinones, Puerto Rican documentary. Oh. Documentarian, dude. Amazing. Oh. But yeah. Um, also, follow Project X. Yeah. At Project X 718 we'll on to, all platforms. It's lit. We got to figure out a Thank way you. to like. Collaborate, yeah, yeah, with the Bitter Projects, the Project X, Houston, Texas, Bronx, New York collab. Let's do it. Josh, make like a like asteroids colliding. (laughs) 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 Or that, do one of those. Can you do that? That's perfect. Yay! So, thank you guys. Thank everybody for listening to another episode of Inkwell. Next time, we'll be back with another writer. Catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Inkwell, a collaboration between Tintero Projects and Imprint in Houston, Texas, a city with a wellspring of literary activity. Inkwell is hosted by Jasmine and Lupe Mendez of Tintero Projects, produced by Rich Levy and Krupa Parikh of Imprint, and recorded, engineered, and edited by Josh Walker with 150 Media House. Inkwell is made possible by a grant from the City of Houston through the Houston Arts Alliance and Imprint's other generous supporters. For more information, visit imprinthouston.org or tinteroprojects.wordpress.com. For feedback on this and future episodes, email inkwell at imprinthouston.org. We also invite listeners near and far to attend our readings and workshops. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing.